Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Now, good morning and welcome to South Campus. Welcome to those who are watching online or at our Dream Center experience. And it is great to be here. It's great to be here on a day where we're celebrating babies. And uh, how about another hand for the parents and these precious kids? I just love being a part of a church that's just doing so much to, to reach the next generation. And we are here uh, today wrapping up our series called Think Like Jesus, where we've been opening up the book of Proverbs and discovering what God's plan for wisdom is all about, what wisdom is, how we can apply it to our lives, and how our lives will be different as a result of that. So before we dive in today, quick story. So Ashley and I, my lovely wife, we checked something off of our bucket list last year. Um, for years and years, we've wanted to go visit a place called Machu Picchu, which is an ancient city uh, deep in the, the Andes Mountains in Peru. There's a, a hiking trail called the Inca Trail that leads there. When, when she used to teach middle school years ago, she would teach about this place. And we just thought, that's a place we've got to go. And when we give gifts to each other, like we're not like big gift people, but we're big experienced people. So like, let's save up, let's budget for it, let's plan for it. And so for our 20th anniversary, we made the epic trip and, and hiked a big chunk of that trail and ended up um, you know, getting to see Machu Picchu. I brought a picture, here's a picture with it in the background. Uh, it is pretty epic. You know, I felt like I was in Lord of the Rings or something the whole time. So it was pretty cool. But I will tell you though, just to prepare you, if you ever travel abroad, you gotta be prepared for some food that they don't serve here. And I'm normally pretty adventurous. I'm all about, you know, diving right into a new culture and trying their stuff. But one of their main delicacies in Peru, I couldn't, I couldn't do. Like I had to tap out. So you tell me if, if you could do this. So if you're, if you're sitting there and they're like, all right, we're gonna prepare for you tonight one of our favorite Peruvian delicacies. We call it cuy. And I'm like, cuy, that sounds good. Yeah, what's cuy? And they bring it out and this, this, is, this is what it is. In America, we call it guinea pig, okay? So no gracias, all right? Like we, we have guinea pigs as pets. Like in my kitchen, there's a picture of my kids like holding this little guinea pig. So like I thought about framing that and putting it next to our kids holding their guinea pig picture just to traumatize them. Uh, no, I did not eat cooey, but it was a wonderful trip. And now you're not even thinking about lunch, right? Some of you were hungry. Some of you were like, where am I going to eat afterwards? And now you're like, you know what? I'm going to fast today. We're just going to fast. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So the, the cooey, it's a big thing there. Our tour guide says, it's my favorite. And I'm like, I'm going to take your word for it. I'm good. I'm going to have a burger with not cooey in it. Now, the reason I tell a story about uh, Inca Trail Machu Picchu is, is to tell you this illustration, which really ties into, into what we're talking about in this series. While we were there, I learned something about the ancient Incans that I didn't know, and it really fascinated me. And there's a picture that I'm not going to show you because there are a lot of ki kids here with, with child dedication, and it's a picture of a skull, and I don't want to frighten the children. But uh, the picture I was going to show shows where the ancient Incans figured out how to do surgery on the skull uh, and actually make it work hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Like without any of the modern technologies we had, they were just so far advanced. But whenever someone would be wounded in battle or they would get you know, a, a head injury, the Incans tried to figure out how to operate you know, on a wounded skull. And we can tell from different 
skulls that they tried different metals. They would try iron and copper to try to, you know, go inside the skull and patch it up. But what they learned is because those metals were impure, those metals had impurities, it would ultimately create toxins for the person and they would die. So the Incans discovered that if you use pure gold, if you take refined pure gold and put it on a skull wound, that it's so pure that the body will actually heal around it. And so there are skulls with gold in it where a person lived years after the surgery. And it was just fascinating to me, one, that they figured that out hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But two, I think it ties in to what we're talking about with wisdom. Because just like with what they discovered with actual skulls, for us, if we put impurities into our own heads, it can be toxic. We need gold. We need the pure gold for our own minds. And that's what wisdom is. In a world that wants to put so many toxins into our brains, so many false messages that can absolutely destroy us, God's word says, I've got the gold. I've got the pure gold that belongs in your mind. And if you put anything else there, it's going to lead you to the wrong direction. But if you'll put my truth, my word, my gold, my wisdom into your mind, it will guide you through life. It will be your source of life. And that's what we've been talking about these last three weeks. What is that? What's it look like? This is the theme verse we keep coming back to from Proverbs. For whoever finds wisdom, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. And the book of Proverbs, where we've been, is the book of wisdom. It is just full of God's plan for our lives, God's wisdom for our lives to help us in every part of life. God has given us a roadmap, a pure gold roadmap for how to think, how to live, how to act, how to work, how to deal with finances, how to deal with relationships, how to deal with conflict. He's put it all throughout the Bible, but it is concentrated. Wisdom is just concentrated and focused in this book of Proverbs. And, and hopefully you've been encouraged and taken some practical tips about what we've been discovering so far. And today we're wrapping up the series talking about what does it mean to leave a legacy of wisdom? And it's fitting on a child dedication Sunday that we end a series talking about how to leave this for the next generation, how to make sure the next generation knows what wisdom looks like and how we're living it in our own lives and how we're teaching it to them. And so the first principle today is this, if we wanna create a legacy of wisdom, creating a legacy of wisdom begins with investing in the next generation. And I love that we're part of a church that does that. I love that we're part of a church that, that has such a vibrant children's ministry and has regular baby dedications and just sponsored 700 kids on the angel tree. That's real kids right here in our community that you provided Christmas for. I just love being part of a church with that kind of focus and generosity toward the next generation. And the, the Bible calls us to do that. It calls us to continually reach and teach the next generation. One verse from Proverbs says it this way, start off children the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now that verse has been taken out of context over time and many parents use that verse as a way to inflict guilt on themselves when their kids grow up and make poor choices. They think, well, I must be a bad parent. That's not the truth. I know a lot of you know, great people who had terrible parents. I know a lot of terrible people who had great parents. I mean, God is the perfect parent and look how messed up a lot of his kids are, right? And it's not his fault as a parent. What the Bible teaches us is that we as parents and mentors and teachers have a responsibility to show kids the right path, to show them right from wrong, to give them access to wisdom. And then as they grow, that that access we give them is gonna help guide their steps. But ultimately, every one of us can rebel. Every one of us has the ability to make our own terrible choices. And that doesn't always reflect on our parents, but still we do have this responsibility as parents, as mentors, as teachers, 
even if you don't have any kids of your own, we all have a duty to help reach the next generation. My wife, Ashley, is, she's like way better at this than me. Like she has such a heart for youth, such a heart for kids, even beyond her own four boys. As busy as she is, she volunteers at the youth group here on Wednesday nights and she co-leads a ninth grade girls small group. And, and next weekend, like me and all the boys are getting kicked out of the house and they're gonna come to a sleepover at our house. Like she is just so intentional about building into the next generation and investing into them. She also makes sure that our, our house is the house that kids wanna hang out at. She gets the snacks they like. She gets, she just has the, like, she wants the kids to hang out with us. And so kids have always just kind of found their way to our place. And I remember years ago, there were these two brothers that just practically moved in with us. And they were great kids. Their names were Thomas and Nathaniel. Uh, they'd come in right after school. They'd hang out with our kids. We'd always feed them a snack and they just made themselves at home, which is what we wanted them to do. And there was one day that Ashley, preparing for snack time, had gotten the, the pinnacle of snacks, if you're a kid, the top tier, top shelf snack, which is a Lunchable. And if you're unfamiliar with a Lunchable, it is like magic. It's like, it, it, is, it is a self-contained meal. It looks like something an astronaut would eat. It's in this plastic container. You lift off this lid and it's got everything you could want. It's got meat, it's got crackers, cheese, and it's got a dessert, usually Oreo cookies. Sometimes Butterfinger, I've tried them all. Um, it's not just for the kids. And so when, when I opened up the fridge and realized we had Lunchables, I was like, this is gonna be a special day. This is like the Thanksgiving of snacks. So the kids came in, I'm like, hey boys, gather around the table, really special snacks today, Lunchables. And they're high-fiving each other, Lunchables, yes. And I'm like, yeah, you know, thank, thank, uh, thank Miss Ashley. She's, she's really good with, with the snacks. And so I pass it out to our boys and to Thomas and Nathaniel and they, they rip open the top and I'm like, no, wait a second. This is a snack that's like worthy of a prayer. You know, some snacks you just eat, but this is a Lunchable. I mean, we need to, we need to thank the Lord for this. And so, so I said, let me say a quick prayer. And I just said a quick prayer. Lord, thank you for these Lunchables. They are the greatest of all snacks. And we thank you for them. And I thank you for our boys. I thank you for Thomas and Nathaniel. I'm so thankful they're part of our lives. They're such awesome kids. And I just pray you'd bless them, you know, bless them and, and help them grow to the, be the awesome men you've created them to be and, and bless this food in Jesus' name, amen. And the boys just dig in and start eating. And then uh, Nathaniel looks up. He's like nine or 10 years old at the time. And he said, hey, thank you. And I'm like, oh, no problem. They were on sale, you know, and it's not a big deal. And, and he said, no, I mean, the Lunchable's great, but thanks for the prayer. And he looked at his brother and he said, I think that's the first time anyone's ever prayed for us. And, and I said, well, buddy, you know, it's an honor. I'll keep praying for you guys. We're, we're really thankful for you and God's got a great plan for your life. And, and then they, you know, they went on about the day and went playing like they always do. But it was just a reminder to me that all of us, God is always giving us opportunities to do something which should just become normal to us, which is encouraging the next generation and pointing them toward God. And even if they're not getting that message at home, even if they never set foot in a church, being a light to them and letting them know they matter to God. And there's a God who loves them and has a plan for their life. And, and all of us have opportunities to do that. It doesn't take anything special, but a little bit of time and a little bit of intentionality. And, and it, it challenged me because those are things that I don't think to do very often. It was random and rare for me to do that right then. But it challenged me to do that more because I realized, you know what, this, this matters. These moments matter and I don't, wanna, I don't wanna squander them. So we've gotta be intentional about reaching the next generation. And as we do, 
with our own kids and other kids and in our own lives, we have to, you know, we have to keep in mind this verse. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Our kids are growing up in a world and we're living in a world as adults where there are so many ways that people are saying, this is the right way and this is the right way and this is what life should look like and this is what success looks like. And it's just mind numbing how many different messages we're being thrown at. We, we can't even agree what is a good life, what is a good person, you know, what's right, what's wrong. Do right and wrong even exist? Like in a, we don't even agree anymore about these things. And so God's word is the roadmap. It's the gold that shows us the right path in a world that says even using verbiage like right path is insulting and narrow-minded. God's like, listen, I'm God. I still haven't figured out there's a right path. And I've shown you what it is through wisdom. And we've got to hold on to that because our kids are being taught this message through the world around them that do whatever feels right because that's your truth. And your truth is what matters most. And guys, that's, that's just wrong, okay? There's no your truth. There's just truth. And God shows us what the truth is. And our feelings, they have a purpose, but they're certainly not meant to be our God. They're certainly not meant to be our guide because they're so fickle. Like my feelings have led me into all kinds of terrible places and yours have too. Like, you know, the, you know, I'll, I'll, my wife and I do marriage ministry and sometimes we'll be talking to someone and they're trying to like, you know, recover from infidelity. And, and we'll just ask, well, what led you, what led you to have an affair? And somebody will say like, well, I just, had these, I just followed my heart. And I'm like, well, that was dumb. You know, like <laughs> your heart was lying to you. The Bible says as much. There's a verse in the Bible. We, we, you know, we tell our kids, just follow your heart. I'm like, well, Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. So what we should say is follow your heart as long as your heart's following Jesus. Follow your hearts as long as your heart's following your principles that are unchanging. But if you're just following your feelings, Man, your feelings will lead you to some dark places all, for all of us, all of us. You know, we, we wrestle with this sinful nature and our feelings will just flat out lie to us. And that's why we have to lead our heart instead of following it. Because man, my feelings, feelings have led me some places. So like, I'll give you an example. I've got a, I've got a million of them. I'll share one that, that actually worked out okay and was no harm, but I've got others that are, you know, much, much, much worse than this, but for the sake of today. So 20 years ago, newlywed, Ashley and I needed a car. And I'm like, how are we gonna get a car? You know, we don't really have money, pretty broke, but we need something because this is this old clunker I'm driving. I don't know how long it's gonna last. So I said, you know what we should do? We should go to the car lot and just, just see what's there. So we go to the car lot and this car salesman, he was so nice. Like, <laughs> I think he really liked me. Like he, he got me. He just really was just a nice guy and I wanted to be friends and I feel like, it felt like he did too. I'm just like, you know what, I'm glad we met. And, and he's like, you know what we should do? We should drive this new car. Like a new, I didn't even know they came new. Like and I got in this new car, smelled it. Oh man, it smelled amazing. You ever smelled a new car? It's just a glory. They put some kind of addictive chemical in it. It smelled so good. And it was like they just knew my playlist. Like every song on the radio when I was driving, I'm like, yes, this feels right. It's cool in the gang. Celebrate good times. I mean, how did you know? I feel like God wants me to have this car. I, this just feels right. And so we got back and, and, and I was like, well, I don't think I can afford to buy it. 
But this guy was so nice, he had a solution. He was like, you don't have to buy it. You can lease it. And I'm like, what is that? Some of you are moaning, like, like I'm trying to sell you a timeshare or something. Like, oh, lease. So, so he, he, uh, he said, well, you lease it. I'm like, well, how does that work? He's like, well, you just pay this much every month. And, and then, you know, and then after a few, few years, then you bring it back. And then, you, you know, you get another new one if you want. I'm like, this sounds all right. This guy, he really cares about me. Like, he wants me to have a new car. So, you know, the music was playing. They're bringing me snacks. It just felt right. And so I signed. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to take this home. And so I drove the car home. And uh, all of a sudden, we get home. And I started looking at what I'd signed and doing the math in my head. And I'm like, you know, sweetie, if we go over a certain amount of miles, like, they start charging us per mile. Like, this car we don't own is going to own us. Like, I, I can't even drive this car. It's just going to have to sit there. And I start panicking. I'm like, this was dumb. This was foolish. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to just go back. I'm going to go back and like beg them to take it back. So I go back the next day. There was that, that salesman. I was glad he was there because, man, he was really nice. But uh, then I start telling him, I don't, I don't want this car anymore. And you, you wouldn't believe it. He wasn't nice anymore. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to the cool in the gang from yesterday? Like, I said, oh, I can't afford it. Like, you told me something I really can't afford. Like, I told you what our, I, I just can't. I, we drive more than this. I can drive with this thing. And I'm like, I just, I can't do it. And it turns out there was like a, a, a law that you had 48 hours or something to change your mind on something like this. Can you believe he'd forgotten to tell me that? And so I was able to, to get out from under it. And I got back in my old junker. And let me tell you, that junker never smelled so good. Because you know what's better than the smell of a new car? Smell of a paid off car. That... <laughs> smell of spilled coffee and faint hint of child vomit. That's the smell of freedom. And I just sniffed it all the way home. Just sweet freedom. There's a way that feels right, that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. It, it, and, and, and things much bigger than, than a poor car purchase, you know, and all of us have made bigger mistakes, including me, than that, where you find yourself in a situation and you're like, this felt right at the time. But, but it, what happened is I gave up a lot of freedom to do it. And God wants us to have freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if we enslave ourselves to anything, to any sin, to any purchase, to anything that takes away our freedom, then we've stepped outside of God's will. We forfeited the gold that he meant to guide our path for the, you know, the, the cheap trinkets and impurities that the world wants to trade in its place. And so we've got to teach our kids, we've got to live it ourselves there's a way that might feel right, but you have to measure it against the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word has practical wisdom for all these things, for, you know, for purchases, for finances. You'd be amazed at like just how practical it really is. So that's, that's one principle. Here's a second that's kind of a follow-up to that in a way that we should live. What wisdom looks like in practical terms is in a world of self-indulgence, we have to choose to be self-controlled. Self-control is a mark of discipline, and discipline is a mark of wisdom. Proverbs says it this way, it's better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. Patience, patience is, is gold. The problem is patience doesn't usually make headlines. We don't watch Sports Center to see the patient guys. We watch it to see the powerful guys because power leads to highlights and highlights are just fun to watch. Watching someone be patient is boring. It's like it, it isn't as exciting, and yet patience is what leads to real life change. It's what wisdom looks like when it's acted out. 
Even secular research is discovering this is true. In 1972, Stanford University did what became a groundbreaking study. They got all these kids together and they did this experiment with children. They said, here's the experiment. You're gonna come into this room and I'm gonna give you a marshmallow. And if you eat that marshmallow right now, it's fine. It's your marshmallow. You, you have it if you want. But if you wait a few minutes, when I come back in the room, when I come back in the room, I'm gonna give you two marshmallows. So you can have one right now or wait just a little bit and you can have two. It's up to you, your, your call. And then they would leave the room and they would have cameras on this kid. Some kids would just gobble up that marshmallow before they even got the instructions. They're like, I'm eating this before the guy changes his mind. Some kids would try to not eat the marshmallow and they would just stare at it. And then self-control would, would fail and they would just like cry, just weep. They were so struggling, but then they would grab it, tears in their eyes and they'd eat the marshmallow. Other kids would decide, decide that they wanted to wait for the second marshmallow. And so I'm not even gonna look at this one as an option. And they would get up and there were toys in the room. There were stuff they could do. They would play with toys until the guy came back in and said, hey, good job, you waited. Here's the second marshmallow. Now, what's fascinating about this study is that Stanford tracked these kids all the way into adulthood. They followed up 10 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later. And the, the measure of success in these kids' life, you know, the, the predictor of success of, you know, wh where they were in terms of their career, in terms of their divorce rates, in terms of their, you know, anything that you can look at numerically measure, the two marshmallow kids, the patient kids, had been far more successful than the one marshmallow kids. And what Stanford discovered is that the greatest predictor for success in life, it isn't how much money your parents had, it isn't where you grew up, it, it, it isn't any of those things that we might think it is, it's simply the ability to delay gratification. In short, patience is a powerful predictor of long-term success. And now of course, patience can be, can be worked and grown like a muscle that you, you work over time. And just because you happen to grab a marshmallow as a kid doesn't mean you're doomed to not have patience all of your life. But at any point in our life, we can decide, I wanna start now and be more patient. You could be nine or you could be 90 and you can say, I haven't been real patient, I've been pretty impulsive, but I wanna start now and for the rest of my life, I wanna value patience. I wanna be willing to delay gratification. I wanna be willing to follow God's path for gold instead of settling for the cheap things that are being set right in front of me now. And if we'll do that, it really will make a big difference. All right, number three relates to how we work. What does wisdom look like when we work? It looks like this. We have to work hard at whatever we do, but also know when it's time to rest. And most of us, we're either really good at work and we like all the verses in the Bible about hard work, you know, there are a bunch of them, or we're really good at rest. We don't like the work verses, but we love it when Jesus says, come to me who are weary, I'll give you rest. We're like, yes, the bumper sticker, I'm gonna circle that one. There are a lot of both, right? And so we've gotta be willing to do both. Even Proverbs tells us to do both. Here's one for work. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Work hard, don't take shortcuts. You know, that's pretty straightforward. But then just a couple chapters later, we're told this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. How can both those be true? We're supposed to work hard. We're supposed to rest. It's because that's the rhythm of life that God created. We're supposed to live in that tension. For those of us who just wanna work all the time, we've gotta be obedient and rest some too. For those who just wanna rest all the time, you gotta be obedient and work hard. Like we're all called to do 
both. Work hard, provide for our families. So we're, but at the same time, realize that we're called to rest too because rest reminds us that we're not in control of the universe, God is. And everything that we have in life, even the things we think we've earned ourselves, really we only earn because God gave us breath in our lungs and he gave us the ability to do it and he gave us the strength to do it and it all belongs to him. And so we'll hold on to things loosely. And so whichever extreme we might fall on, the work hard or the rest hard, we've got to be willing to do both, right? I heard the, a story about this rich guy that went on a fishing trip. Rich guy was super stressed. He decided to make a vacation, went down to Mexico, stayed in a little village, hired this guy that was just kind of working on the beach to take him out in his little fishing boat. And this guy, his job was to go out in his little fishing boat and to take people out fishing and, and, and do these private fishing trips. And so they're out on the boat. The, the, the business guy's on his phone the whole time. He's like, there's no reception here. And the fisherman's like, you don't need reception. You're on vacation. You know, put the phone away. And he's like, no, I got these deals I got to close. And this stuff bothered me at work. And finally, the phone just died. And he had no choice but to just try to fish and relax. And so they start talking. The business guy says to the fisherman, well, what's your, your night look like? What are you going to do when you get back? He said, well, when I get back, you know, I'm going to hang up with my wife and my kids, have some friends over tonight, cook out. Um, pass the guitar around, sing some songs. And then I'm gonna take my boat out at sunset with my wife and watch the sunset over the water and just, you know, relax. It's gonna be a nice night. And the, the business guy said, you're thinking too small. See, what you need to do is work a double shift. Like once you take me home, you need to pick up another guy, go back out and work, do a night tour, start working two shifts a day, double your income, take that income, buy a second boat. By that second boat, you can hire a second guy to work for you. You keep repeating this model and you can eventually get a whole fleet of ships all up and down this coast. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunity here. And then you can build that up. You work hard for 10, 20 years doing that, working those double shifts and managing the whole operation. Then you can sell it off, have a fortune. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm building up my business and I'm gonna sell it off. And the fisherman said, well, what are you gonna do when you finally sell everything? He said, oh, I got a great plan. I'm gonna buy a little place at the beach and I'm gonna hang out with my friends and family and pass the guitar around, sing songs, take my wife out on my little boat, watch the sunset. It's gonna be great. The fisherman said, I do that now. Like, why do I have to do all that other stuff? So like the whole point of the story is like, which one of those two guys really had it figured out, right? I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for being strategic and working hard and having a long-term plan, but there's also something to be said for enjoying the simple pleasures of life and not letting life pass you by working so hard that you miss out on what's really most important. You know, according to, to hospice, where my mom was a hospice nurse for many years, one of the, the biggest regrets of the dying, especially among men, is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd have been more available to my family. I wish I'd have stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I would have just been more relational, but I was working all the time, trying to be a provider. And that's important, but we miss out on the truth that the most important thing we can provide for our families is ourselves. And if we're working so hard to provide that we're robbing them of us, then we've kind of missed the point. And we have to live in that tension, rest and work and, and balance between the two. And so there's wisdom in the tension. There's wisdom in the balance. All right, one more principle. And this one relates not to work, but to relationships because relationships are the most important part of life. You know, the way that, that God measures success, it's ultimately not in terms of your net worth. It's not in terms of, of of your work at all, it's in terms of your relationships. Jesus said, most important part of life, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So love God, love people. Like that's what the Bible's about. That's what life's about. That's what wisdom looks like is, is being relational. So how do we do that? 
In terms of treating people, we do this. We don't treat people how they treat you. Treat people how God treats you. The world's way, the world's way says, if somebody's good to you, yeah, be good to them. But if somebody's bad to you, you get them back. And you keep score of everything. Because if somebody crosses you, you got to get them back. And, and we, if we go through life keeping score, it's exhausting. That's why vengeance never works out, right? The only time revenge works out is in superhero movies. And then it like somehow always works out. But in real life, it never works. That's why God says vengeance is mine. Like he's the only one wise enough to be that kind of judge and jury. He's the only one wise enough to inflict just punishment. He spares us from having to deal with it. And he says, no, you just, you just live with grace. You trust me to handle the rest. And he does. So we've got to be willing to trust him. When somebody's mean to us, what's the Bible say to do? Be nice to them. Pray for them. You don't have to hang out with them all the time. You can have boundaries in your life to prevent yourself from having to deal with an abusive person. You don't have to, you don't have to seek them out and be buddies all the time. But, but as far as it depends on you, wish them well. Be kind. It's, it, it protects your own heart from bitterness. God's everything that he we're told to do, it's not just for the sake of others, it's, it's for us too. Like when we're called to forgive, it's because our hearts aren't meant to carry the weight of a grudge. And if you've ever tried, you know it's heavy and you know it's scarring and you know that it, it makes you, it makes you into, the, into a worse version of yourself. Short-tempered and angry and bitter and it just, God wants you to live free. He wants you to live free. And so, so that's why Jesus says, treat people not how they treat you, treat them like I treat you. The way I've loved you, go love them. And how's Jesus loved us? He gave us his best and we're at our worst. He forgave us when we were completely unworthy. He loved us when we were unlovable. And then he said, now go and do the same for other people. That's what following me is about. So that's, that's what we gotta do. We gotta love that kind of way. You know, I was thinking about how to end this, this whole series over the, the whole book of Proverbs because there's so much in there. And I'm like, I'm like, how do we end this? How do we wrap this up? So I'm gonna wrap this up by just sharing a bunch of the Proverbs with you all at once. And here's why I'm gonna do it. Because every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Every word of the Bible is true and it's alive and the Holy Spirit can take it right to your situation. It might be something you've read a hundred times, but he can bring it to new life based on what you're facing and what you're struggling with today. And so there's a lot in the book of Proverbs and I hope if anything, this series maybe encouraged you to start reading it more on your own. If you read a chapter a day in Proverbs, which only takes a couple minutes, you can read through the whole book every single month. And if you'll do that over and over, God will use it to shape your worldview with the gold of his wisdom. But I wanna just read a bunch of these to you all at once without adding my own commentary, without adding stories. Because when I was first starting out early on in preaching, I was in this little group of guys and this, this mentor preacher back home in Kentucky gave me the best preaching advice I've ever heard. He said, now fellas, whenever you're preaching, always use lots of scripture. And that way you'll know at least something you said is actually true. So <laughs> it's good advice, right? So this end part is actually true, right? And there's been a lot of truth because there's been a lot of scripture, but I just, wanna, I just wanna read some of the verses that have stood out to me from Proverbs over the years for different reasons. And for some of you, one of these is gonna be, just feel like a text message from God straight to your situation. Maybe you're wrestling with a decision right now or a struggle or something that just, you're like, Lord, what do I do here? 
And this might've been the very reason God brought you here today or God led you to watch this online today is because his answer is in his word. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to us through his living word. And so I've just chosen several minutes worth of these and I'm just gonna read them one right after the other. And so do me a favor for just a few minutes and fight the temptation to think about where can I buy some guinea pig to eat right after this? Where am I gonna go to lunch? What, hob, what, you know, what, what errands do I have to run? All of that stuff that just tends to cloud our mind when we kind of get into it's time to go mode. And for a few minutes, the most important few minutes of your day, just shut it all off and say, Lord, speak to me through your word. And I believe he will. And I believe you could have an encounter with God as you just hear his words being read over you and you read them for yourself on the screen behind me. And I pray that we allow, all allow these to really sink into our minds and hearts. So just receive some wisdom straight from God's word to you. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false, wis a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So don't bother correcting mockers, they will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. A fool is quick tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. It's better to have a little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house with feasting and conflict. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, but then are angry at the Lord. Wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. An honest answer is as sweet as a kiss. A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. 
As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The wicked run when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a parent is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And to give Jesus himself the final words on the matters of wisdom from the Gospel of Matthew. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears these teachings of mine and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Let's stand together. So we prepare to close out this sermon and this series. It's my prayer for all of us, myself included, that we would just allow God's word, his gold, his wisdom to take root in our minds and hearts and guide us, guide us to all the complexities of life. And even when we blow it, to be reminded that God's grace is there to forgive us, to pick us back up and to always, always walk alongside us, giving that, that new chance that grace makes possible. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of wisdom. Thank you that you've made it available to all of us. Thank you, God, that when we live by your principles, God, that, that golden path of wisdom will help guide our steps. For anybody here or watching online who has not made the wisest decision of all, which is to choose to follow you, Jesus, and make you the Lord of their life, I pray that today would be the day that they make that choice. And, and in a simple prayer of simple faith, they say, Jesus, save me today. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. I've been following a foolish path of my own, but I wanna choose the path of wisdom which means following you. I'm asking you to make me the person I was meant to be, adopt me into your family and guide my steps. And for all of us, Lord, continue to guide our steps. If we've gotten off track, redirect us. God, if we've stubbornly or rebelliously chosen a path of sin, then bring us to that point of repentance and let us have the courage and humility to receive your correction. For all of us, Lord, let us leave here today just feeling lighter and freer, knowing that you're with us and that you're for us. And no matter what we've done, no matter how foolish our decisions have been in the past, Jesus, you paid the price for it on the cross. So we don't have to go through life beating ourselves up for something you literally took a beating to forgive. And we're so thankful for the blood you shed to set us free, to forgive us and save our souls. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, before we leave today, don't forget next Sunday starts the Christmas series and it literally around here is the most wonderful time of the year. So be back here on Sunday. There's some invite cards behind your seat. If you wanna invite somebody to come, an invitation means a lot. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.